And now, back to David Spada and Elliot Harris for more sports and torts on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com with David Spada and Elliot Harris. Next up, we have the actress-singer Marla Gibbs, who still going strong at 81, but a lot of us remember her from one of her first major roles as Florence on the Jeffersons, and David and I asked her how she got that role. Margaret Avery was running a, a workshop in Hollywood, and we went to that workshop, and we saw them do a play called Does a Tiger Wear a Necktie? And Clint Eastwood had come down and, and was impressed with the actress and took Margaret Avery off the stage and put her in one of his movies. So everybody was now interested in her workshop that was called the Zodiac Theater. While I was in that workshop, I starred in a couple of plays, got good reviews, and then I heard that they were having auditions for a show called The Jeffersons. And at that time, I had an agent called Ernestine McClendon, who came out of New York and was an actress from New York, and she was running a workshop, a very successful workshop that Ted Lange was in. And she had written a letter to the Hollywood Reporter complaining that her actors were not being seen. They were run through like a revolving door. So all of a sudden, everybody wanted to see her actors. So I had an audition for the Jeffersons, and I went in, and Virginia Carter was uh, Norman Lear's casting agent. So I, I did the audition, and she asked me to wait, and then she took me over to the producers to do it again, and I did it again. And by the time I got home, I had a phone call, and I got the part. So I went in, and I did the part, and the punchline was, how come we overcame and nobody told me? And so they were very excited for, for Norman Lear to hear me. So he came in, and I almost messed up because I didn't say, how come we overcame, and nobody told me. I changed the way I said it, and everybody was in a horrified silence, and they said, what happened? <laughs> And I said, oh, I just wanted to. They said, no, 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 just do it that way. So I did it again. Norman loved it. And he thought it, that line would resound around the world. He got a great big laugh. So they wrote something else for me. On the fifth show, I came in and did that. They wrote another scene for me on the eighth show. They called in and they gave me a contract for 7 out of 13. So Zara Cully was there, and she was Sherman Hemsley's mother. But her character was Isabel's nemesis, and I was Sherman's nemesis. So when she worked, I didn't work because we were doing the same things practically. Were you familiar with Sherman Helmsley and Isabel Sanford's work from All in the Family? No, I really didn't watch that show much. But I was aware of Isabel because she had been auditions when I went on the auditions because that was a new show. So I hadn't seen her work either. I did see her in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. But she was a very popular actress. And when I went on auditions, whenever she came in, she came in talking and cracking jokes. And I just thought she was very funny. She would have been Florence if I was not Florence. Her character was, was like that. But on the Jeffersons, she was the mainstay. And she fed us. So we got all the jokes. And she was, she was the feeder which is what I became on 227. So um, everybody kept saying it was Sherman, my show, Sherman and I. And uh, I think that hurt her feelings a bit because she wasn't given the jokes. 
she was the setup person, you know what I mean? Exactly. That was my beginning with Norman. So that show ran. I was still working at United Airlines at the time. I started with United Airlines in Detroit. So I stayed with United for two years while I was on the Jeffersons. Because the bird in the hands were 20 in the bush. <laughs> and finally one of the producers asked me, did I still have that job? I guess he, he didn't know I still had it. And I said, yes. So he says, well, we thought you quit. I said, no. I said, you haven't told me anything to make me quit. And he said, well, would you be willing to take a leave of absence? I said, yes, if you pay me. So uh, <laughs> I added up my little checks, and they paid me to take a 90-day leave. So after I took the 90-day leave, I decided that if I was really going to try to do something, I needed to take both feet with me and not spread one foot over here and one foot over there. So I took a chance, and of course, I was never sorry. I was going to say that 90-day leave turned into 207 episodes on the Jeffersons. Yes, it did. So I was very happy that I left. I still tried to get United to let me do PR for them, like, you know, do uh, spokesperson ads for them. American Airlines wasn't doing it, so United wouldn't do it. They didn't do anything that American didn't do at that time. I remember Mother Jefferson on that show. She was absolutely hysterical, but she was a very accomplished actress before the Jeffersons. She was. She was known as Dame Zara Cully when she was like 18, 19 years old, and she brought pictures in, old pictures of her with all the old actors, and some of them we recognized. As a matter of fact, one of them came on the show. He played a guard in, uh, when Sherman was accused of robbing the bank. He was a very nice guy. I can't think of his name now, though. Did you have any inkling that the show would be as successful as it was? No idea. But your role, like you said, grew because, I mean, basically you were a bid player, and then you became so popular, like you said, people thought it was your show and Sherman's after a while, and the other people were just along for the ride. Right. Sherman was really great to work with. He, would, he was very generous. He would set me up so I could punch him, and uh, we had a good time. He, we we did a lot of uh, ad-libbing in uh, rehearsal, and some of it we were allowed to keep. Sometimes somebody would say, oh, that's funny, that's funnier than what, what's there, and so the director let us do it. One thing was we had the big piano in the show, and the director said it would be so funny if somebody could go on this piano. So I said, I can. So he said, but you've got the tray. I said, well, let me try it. So uh, we did it, and Sherman came in. He said, you know, I was there in bed last night, and I thought about how you always try to get the door. He, I'm on one side saying, I'll get it. He's on the other side saying, I'll get it. So we, we both are running towards the door, and, and the people are in my way, so I get I go up on the piano with a tray all to the other side, and then I gave it, the tray to Miss Jefferson. And Isabel always liked to do sticks, so she said, when you give me the tray, just kind of shove it into me so she could fall back. So we did that, and then I get to the step, and Sherman said, I was in the bed, and I dreamed that we run into the door, and we get to the step, and then I turn around, and I choke you. So I said, okay, we'll do it. So we tried that, and uh, the director said, oh, that's funny. He said, but the people won't stop laughing, and he's got to get the door. I said, well, have him throw me in the bathroom. So he threw me in the bathroom, 
close the door, and then he opened the door. And the audience is so smart that the moment that ends, they're waiting to see who comes in the door. So it all worked, and they use that in the montage for the promo when they show it. Now, your character on the show, the adjective that most frequently and I think most accurately is used is feisty. Is is Marla Gibbs a, a feisty person? Sometimes. Marla Gibbs is very quiet, offset, and uh, very sensitive. But that was the way I grew up. There were a lot of people like Florence in my neighborhood. So she reminded me of my aunt and my grandmother, so I just let them come through. Were you that big a fan of Billy D. Williams? Because I remember Florence always talking about how much she loved Billy D. Williams and how she loved to meet him, and you got a chance to meet him on the show. Was that a dream of yours? No, actually, my daughter was a big fan of his. <laughs> I saw him in Lady Sings the Blues, and I thought he was good-looking and a good actor, but I didn't think about that. And uh, But when he came to do the show, I became a big fan of his because after the show, we would all stand in the hallway, and, and the audience was allowed to come through the hallway and talk to us. And he stood in the hallway and talked with everybody that came through. And I was very impressed. He could have stayed in his room and closed the door, but he didn't. He came out here to interact with all the people. And I just thought that was great. So we got a chance to work again on 227. But you worked with a lot of famous people on the Jeffersons, too. Wasn't Sammy Davis on there? I mean, you had all kinds of Yeah, I I didn't have any scenes with Sammy. That was all Isabel and Sammy. The one person I never understood who never came on was Carol O'Connor. How come Norma Lear never crossed those characters over in the Jeffersons? I do not know. I got a chance to work with Carol. Not with Carol, but Carol did Heal the Night in Atlanta, Georgia. And I got a chance to be uh, cast in one one of the shows. And my daughter was married to the cinematographer for Heat of the Night. And so she got to do one of the shows also, and uh, it was really great. Carol was really, really a wonderful man. When people come up to you on the street or wherever, do they say, hi, Florence, or hi, Marla? You know, it's very strange. They always say, Marla Gibbs. They say my whole name. <laughs> and they'll say Florence, and some of them will say Mary, Mary from 227. So I have fans from both for both shows. Younger people will say 227. Did you have a favorite episode of the Jeffersons? I like um, the one with Billy D. Williams. I like the one where I play Aunt Jemima because Sherman fires me. And uh, he wants to have a proper maid and do everything he says. So I come in with an Aunt Jemima costume uh, and run him crazy. And uh, the one where Ralph the doorman and I pretend that we're the Willis's for Sherman because he wants to impress an interracial couple. And uh, he has made the Willis's mad. So he's, he doesn't want to ask them to come down. So he made me be Mrs. Willis and Ralph, Mr. Willis. And they happened to come down while we were there. So they said that, <laughs> that they were Ralph and Man <laughs> and Florence the Jefferson's maid. So we had a lot of fun doing that episode. After the program ended, how difficult was it for you to move past that character or and, or for producers and other people to see you as something other than, than Florence? Oh, it wasn't difficult at all. I had done this play called 227, 
uh, written by Christine Houston out of Chicago. And because I come from Chicago, I felt like I knew all the characters. And uh, we did that play, and it was so popular, we couldn't take it down. It ran for six months. And while it was up, everybody came to see it, see it including Brandon Tartikoff from NBC, the people from Universal Studios, people from Columbia Studios. And Norman Lear was on the lot, and he said, I hear you have a great play over there. I said, I do. He said, well, I want to see it. Well, I had invited Norman first, but he did not respond. So he said, I said, well, you better come tomorrow because we're closing. So he and his wife came. And they had to sit in the back because this theater was packed. And after the show, he asked me, what was I doing? Well, I said, well, I was talking to Universal. He said, well, have you signed anything? I said, no. They haven't gotten around to talking about money yet. So he told me, please call this office the next day. So I did. And uh, we set it up. And he said, why don't you do it with me? I said, okay. So that's how we ended up with 227 with Norman. And... um he says, well, we have to show it to CBS first because we're on CBS. I said, okay. So CBS wasn't interested, and he showed it to ABC, CBS. NBC was still interested. Norman saw it as a theater piece on Broadway. Brandon saw it as a TV show. I saw it as a movie of the week. So we ended up doing it as a TV show, of course. And that's how we got started with that. Because you went to you went to NBC with two two seven and Sherman went there with Amen at the same time was that correct? No, uh, Sherman went after afterwards. Oh, okay. We were already signed when we did the last season of Jefferson. NBC had agreed to wait for another season before we did it, but of course they abruptly canceled Jefferson. And we were very upset because we didn't know they were canceling. We were slated to do another season. So while we were on hiatus, he got Sherman to come for the event. But we were already signed. And Isabel was signed to do a show called The Hotel, but her show didn't go. Do you ever feel bad that there was never like a conclusion to the Jeffersons, like a final episode or a reunion special? Oh, yes, we were very upset, and so was the audience. They keep asking, are they going to ever let you guys do a reunion? I said, well, there's nobody left now, so but three of us, so I don't think so. <laughs> but when I went to do 227, Glenn Fadnick was the president of Norman's company, and uh, he also was the president when I did 227, yeah. So when I went to Glenn, I said, we have to do something. I said, it's terrible. You can't just let the Jefferson die after all the seasons we gave you. You can't. you got to do something. So they came up with giving us a clock, a beautiful brass clock that, that stands like an ornament. So um, that was their way of saying, this is it. So <laughs> that was it. Now, you performed the opening theme on 227. and Yes. Are you a better singer or a better actress? Actress. Although I always wanted to sing. Do people think that you sang the theme song from the Jeffersons too? Do they just assume it was you? Yeah, they do. Well, because they read a lot, you know. So they'll say, you say, they always say, you sang the show, so they'll start singing the, the song, you know. But it's never got to be as popular as moving on up. 
because you couldn't dance to it. And plus, you, I remember watching the opening, you'd see George basically strutting into the deluxe apartment in the sky, and that image always stuck in your head, him getting out of the cab, going in to the building with the doorman holding the door, and it's like he finally made it. Right. It was done very well. And, and it provided a, a glimpse into, I think, a part of society that a lot of America had not seen before. Here, here was the, the successful African-American businessman, and right. most of the white America was unfamiliar w- with that. You know, the roles that the blacks had had, there was nothing like that. Right. There was no stereotype in it. Even as a maid, I played her the way all the maids I had seen. They take over your house. And they're doing the in the kitchen. You can't just come in there and do anything. It's their kitchen as far as they're concerned. And you evolved, too, because when you first started, I mean, like you said before, you had the maid's outfit on, like your traditional maid, and basically you played it kind of like a southern maid, and you evolved to basically become one of the family, ditch the maid costume, and dress like the other characters. Right. I had to move in. Something happened with my apartment. And I ended up having to move in, and they, they took me in. Which did you enjoy more, the Jeffersons or 227? Oh, the Jeffersons, Cass, and I, we were like family. So when we got 227, of course, that behaved like a family, too. But 227, I was exec producer with all, total, uh, with all rights, courtesies, and privileges, but no title. I didn't have the credit, but I was allowed to. I sat in on editing. I wrote a couple of shows. I think I wrote three shows for them. And uh, I got an opportunity to, to to make decisions. So that was the next phase. So I'd have to say that I like I like doing the work on the Jefferson, on 227 better, but I love being the maid on the Jeffersons. A lot was made that you had some issues with Jackie getting all the attention on 227 and that you weren't happy about that? No, I mean, people think that there was a feud between us, but it wasn't. Because I had all rights, courtesies, and privileges, sometimes Jack A wanted to do something that I couldn't let her do, and so she would get upset. But I would always explain it to her, why. And I understood because she came from New York, and she really wanted to be a star. And we understood that all the stars are in the sky. The show is the star. So when she, when she was hired, she was hired for $7.13, like I was on the Jeffersons, because she was over the top. They thought she was too over the top. But it worked, because she was playing Mae West. And because she was playing Mae West, Mae West doesn't need anybody. So what she wanted to do was be right next to me. But it was me, and then Hal, and then Elena, and then her. So she was trying to work to get past Elena, which she did. And then she was trying to work to get past past Hal, which she didn't. But she was always trying to see how she could get, how she could move. So she was ambitious. And I understood that. And I told her, I said, you're the one that's going to get the spinoff. I said, but you have to not be in too much of a hurry. You've got to, to wait and you've got to take care of your cast. But she didn't understand that. I said, because we're feeding you, that's why you're able to do what you do. I said, if you don't feed us, we're hungry, too. We're going to eat you up if you don't feed us. So she didn't understand what I meant. We had become great friends now because she understands because she went through the thing. They gave her her own show, but they only showed one. 
and uh, then it was over. Because she didn't know what she really wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to do, and I knew who Florence was, and I knew what she would do and what she wouldn't do. So I was about to say we got in an argument from um, Jefferson's because they wanted the man to sleep in my bedroom with me. And I said, no, Florence wouldn't do that because the Jeffersons have been nice enough to take me in, and they've got a son in the house. I would never come in and bring a man over their child like that. That would be totally disrespectful. I said, but I would let him stay. I said, but I would let him stay in the bedroom, and I would sleep on the sofa so that if they walked in, they could ask me, and then I could tell them. But it's 2 o'clock in the morning, so I couldn't tell them that night. I couldn't ask permission because they were in the bed asleep. So it made sense to them, so that's the way we did it. So I said, for your information, T.J. stepped in the bedroom, and I stepped out here on the sofa. And you see, the audience never forgot that. They always say, he thought you slept in the bedroom with the man, and you slept on the sofa. They they know. They know, they know everything about the show. So it would not have been good if I had brought the man in, because everybody who's looking at the show would have said, I would have fired her, too, you know. Things have to make sense, and you have to know what you're doing when you're doing a show. But Jack Hay and I have since done a play together called Let the Church Roll On. We're now involved in a sitcom called The First Family, which airs on Channel 9, KKL 9. Jack Hay is one of the cast members, and I'm I'm one of the guest stars, so our, our roles have reversed, except I'm not under contract, and she is. you got to work on getting under contract. You got some bills to pay. I do, but you can't work for that. You just do the best thing that you do, and they'll either want you or they don't. The way they're writing the show is not what I do anyway. It's kind of four over the top, and Jackie's very good at that. Her and John Witherspoon are the nemesis of each other. The premise of the show was what? There's a new African-American president of the United States, the 45th president, and you play, what, the president's Grandmother or mother-in-law? I am the grandmother. I'm Jack Hayes' mother, and uh, I'm uh, the first lady's mother. And Gladys Knight is the president's mother, and John Witherspoon is her husband. So Gladys and I are both guest stars. We come in and out. It's similar to what you did on another show in the 90s. I really liked the Hughleys, where you played D.J. Hughley's uh, mother, mother. And Sherman Hemsley played his wife's father, and you were a nemesis. Right, but they didn't have anything going on between the two of us. Actually, they had that going on between him and uh, my sister. I'll tell you what, D.J. Hughley reminds me a lot of Sherman Hemsley with his comedic talents. Yeah, yeah, he was, except he was calmer. <laughs> he was as feisty as George. So you enjoy staying busy acting? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Anything else you'd like to be doing? No, I've done everything. I've had the restaurant, which I loved, but spent all my money on the unemployees and decorating and musicians, which I really loved, but uh, hard work. I also ran, had a theater. I always had a theater, but then I had a big theater and uh, in the Merck Park. So I ended up losing it. I ended up with no money, so I'm through doing that. So it takes a very tough businesswoman, and I have too much heart. I'll tell you one thing, though. If you ever need a job, just go to your daughter from 227, Regina King. She has become so successful hey. as an actress. My daughter is a writer and director, and she wrote a short film 
that I starred in, I co-starred in, and it got a lot of attention and won several awards. And she has written a full-length film, which is going to star Regina, and I'm in it too. And uh, so Regina just finished directing her own film in New York, no, in Atlanta, and uh, now she's ready to do the film my daughter's doing. So we're hoping to get that off the ground very soon. I give you credit. You've done a good job raising your daughter and your TV daughter. Yes. My TV daughter still calls me mommy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it. Three segments down, one show done. Maybe next time we'll get David in the studio. I want to thank our guests, Kelly Wilson, Nick Bonacani, Marla Gibbs, our executive producer, Dave Olson. You are listening to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. See you next time.